G'day, my name's Ian Campbell from Palliative Care Australia. Welcome to Thursdays at 3, our new video and podcast series featuring conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Today we meet a registered nurse who's worked in palliative care in the Illawarra region of New South Wales for over 30 years. You don't look that old, Sally. <laughs> the last I think I'm as old as Palliative Care Australia, actually. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> oh, I've been... I've been in palliative care Australia. I mean, I've been in palliative care for as long as palliative care Australia has existed. So you're dead right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell uh, talk a bit more about you. For the last ten years, Sally has worked exclusively in aged care as a palliative care clinical nurse consultant, and is currently a nurse educator with a local aged care service. Hello, Sally Fredericks. Hello, Ian. Thank you for having me. Really great for you to share some time with us today and, and squeezing us in around your granddaughter's nap time as well. Yes. So be very quiet not to disturb your little granddaughter. Thank you. Sally, keen to take you back to your your days at university, um, going through the nursing degree at the University of Wollongong. You're, you're a keen, energetic, enthusiastic nurse. The age of 22, you're, you're out in the big wide world and you're in a palliative care setting. What was it that led you, drove you towards palliative care as, as sort of your nursing specialty on the back of your uni experience? Um, I guess, well, firstly, I was in Lismore for uni, just so. <laughs> Other end of New South Wales. <laughs> Hello, Southern Cross. Um, and I guess I could be romantic and say I've always drawn to palliative care. It was always for me, but it really wasn't like that. I just wanted to be on the South Coast. I was about to be married and I needed to be employed down here. And reflecting back, it was the perfect work for me. It was the perfect work for me. It found me. But um, at the time it was just I needed to be employed and I needed um you know, somewhere to, to work and earn money and build on my nursing experience. But I was very blessed to get a job at Bulaya Palliative, Specialist Palliative Care Unit. I think it was only five years um, open at that stage. And I, I think I even had to Google what palliative care was because I didn't really know the job that I was applying for. I had some vague understanding, but I didn't really know. So um, I had a very sharp learning curve um, in that first 12 months. But like I said, the universe knew more than I did and it was exactly the right space for me. What made you stick with it? 30 years later, here you are still working palliative care. What made you stick with it? Well, um, I'm a person that needs time and I need job satisfaction and I need a kindness in my work and a um, empathy is a, is a, you know, part of who I am and the philosophy of palliative care just sat so neatly for me. Um, I guess I just, I didn't enjoy the adrenaline of a lot of the fast-paced areas of nursing, but it's not to say, you know, I was laughing with colleagues yesterday. I said I'm a bit like a duck. I can be moving very smoothly on the top of the water but paddling like mad underneath because there's often times when you really have to respond in a very considered but um, timely way for, you know, someone deteriorating very quickly or something. But I guess for me it was just it was just a really a great space and sort of eight not eight or ten years after I had been working in Palcare, my beautiful mum was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. So I actually stepped away for a few years because I couldn't work in that space and look after mum. That was just too hard. 
So I had some time away and I actually went into dialysis, which in itself is a similar space. So, um, but I, w- I was always drawn back to power care. I always, and then I stopped for a little while with children and, you know, here I am again with yeah. power care, but now in an aged care sort of setting, so specialist palliative care in aged care. Tell me, uh, applying for that that first job at, at Bulleye Hospital in the palliative care ward there, you mentioned that you you almost had to Google what, what palliative mm. care was. Mm. Yeah. People will be surprised to know that the palliative care isn't necessarily a, a core ingredient or a strong theme that runs through the nursing degree or, or doctor training. It, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something that people graduate with, with an in-depth knowledge of or, or skills in. Yeah, and there's an irony um, for me in that because everybody dies. So, yeah. and m- most people will will die with um, a chronic, complex, um, you know, slow deteriorating illness, not necessarily a sudden illness. And palliative care or a palliative approach will have some um, aspect to that that dying process. And for me, compassionate dying is is essential to nursing and to medicine. And I think that, uh, you know, I am i don't feel that there's enough focus in our nurse training and our medical training in, in palliative care. And, you know, and even in the specialist spaces, the oncology model sits neatly with palliative care, but, you know, that's the greatest number of deaths is cardiology, cardiac failure, heart failure, um, dementia, it's still, I think one of the challenges, and I was thinking about it last night knowing we were going to talk today, and I think one of the challenges is that the trajectory of on, oncology death is that people move along quite well and then they suddenly die. So there's a predictability, whereas in dementia and the chronic complex illnesses like heart failure or renal failure, there's these, you know, flattenings and you don't, you don't know which moment is the moment of death, so you don't know which at which point the referral is appropriate. And that's why, for me, the referral should come much sooner because it's not about the terminal phase, palliative care. The terminal phase is actually, it might sound um, silly, but it's not. The terminal phase is actually, from a clinical perspective, often the easiest bit because you've got them in a comfortable, you know, settled there they've often got medication to manage agitation and so that that last couple of days of nursing obviously for families is horrendously heartbreaking Mm but for although not always horrendously heartbreaking it can just be you know the next step but yes the last few days is often not as hard as the weeks and months before that when there's restlessness there's agitation there's falls there's infection there's you know all the things that come with um end stage um organ failure or end-stage dementia. How do you go about, I guess, teaching that, teaching the art of, of palliative care? As part of your career, you've you've, you've lectured students at, at the University of, of Wollongong and tried to, yeah. to increase their, their understanding of palliative care. Yeah. Explain the art of palliative care to us. That's a really tricky one because it's a it, it is a philosophical, intuitive kind of um, um, skill that comes with time. And I guess being able to observe skilled clinicians in palliative care 
is all it's an osmosis there's a there's a, an ability to watch and learn and that's the space that I got that's the blessing that I got when I first started as a palliative young nurse in a palliative care unit I had amazing mentors supporting me to make hard decisions or to guide hard you know hard things for families and for loved ones so that is that's the thing that I want to offer when I when I go to work every day I don't want to be the decision maker I want to offer that willingness to be um a mentor, allow staff to be vulnerable, say, I don't actually know, what do you see, Sally? Let's talk about this together. Because I work with amazing people, like aged care. It actually makes me feel emotional to think about the people that I work with every day because they're such a resilient, amazing group of people because that's not what the that's what not what the media captures. And the everyday in aged care is is really um, challenging but incredibly honourable and mm-hmm. I work with that group of people. Yeah. That, that's how lucky I am. I get to do that. So I actually don't deal a lot with the residents but I support the people who support the residents. Mm-hmm. And I think more than anything there's this core group and, uh, you know, I've probably worked in 10 aged care facilities in the Illawarra over the last 10 or 12 years and in every aged care facility there's this core group of goodness that exists and even when we're getting it wrong and it's a human it's a human industry it's yep. a human industry we can't get it right every time mm-hmm. even when we're getting it wrong we're trying so bloody hard to get it right you know yep. and we're trying to learn and we're reflecting and what could we have done better but one of the struggles is I always you know I'd go home from a day at work and I would say to my hubby I walked in and it was almost like thank God you're here. You know that show that was on? <laughs> yes, yeah. Thank God you're here. And it's just that reassurance that they want that someone with the knowledge and skills and, and 30 years of experience can can help guide them and mentor them and reassure them and communicate with families around what they're seeing. Yes, you are seeing someone who's deteriorating. Yes, we now need to, you know, steer this ship towards compassionate dying and away from hospital transfers and you know and unfortunately it's often a new grad RN that has to make those really hard decisions like there's you know they've been to specialists who haven't been able to have that conversation and then we have deterioration and it's left to novices in aged care to have to do really hard things and Mm -hmm. you know they are trying their best every day. Sally, at the risk of making us both emotional and weepy again, I'm <laughs> keen Sorry, to sort of... I'm like, rattling. I was trying no, to... No, not at all. You're, not at all. You're in, you're in safe company. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think that the need to embed palliative care more in aged care is, is, is accepted. Um, it, it, there were 12 recommendations from the Aged Care Royal Commission that, that flagged the, the need for palliative care and aged care to, to sit together and to be more intermeshed and indeed it's one of the the key points that PCA is always banging on about the aged mm-hmm. care sector needs better training better support when it comes to to palliative care mm-hmm. what have been the roadblocks do you think to to making palliative care a, a more embedded practice within aged care 
I think one of the really tricky bits is resource. Um, the specialist palliative care service, I think, struggles to... Um, I think the specialist palliative care service struggles to have the resource available to support the aged care sector the way it needs to be supported. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the generalist system doesn't understand that palliative care isn't just about terminal care yeah. or oncology. Mm-hmm. So the referrals, there's, there's two factors, I guess, from my experience. The referrals that come early to the specialist service are often have to be tucked away because the person isn't actually in the actively dying phase. So, um, and again, that's not a criticism of, of any system, but just an acknowledgement that, so when when a referral comes for, say, a person who's got end-stage Parkinson's, who's struggling with falls and nighttime agitation and restlessness, the struggle is that does that belong to ger- geriatrics or does that belong to neurology or is that actually about palliative care and the palliative right. yep. And that's just an example. And so what ha- what might happen is that, you know, the, the s- neurologist might say, no, they're not appropriate for palliative care yet because they're not actively dying. And I'm like, well, that's not what new, that's not what palliative care is. It's not just about active, actively dying. And so the referral isn't made. So then there's the system loses confidence in the fact that, well, maybe palliative care is just about the terminal phase and unless it's on college. And so you just yeah, in this yeah. of, of yeah, quandary, whereas, you know, if you said to someone who's got stage four cancer, let's make a palliative care referral, they'd absolutely do that because the oncology model sits so neatly yep. and everybody understands it as the, you know, the next stage of of terminal diagnosis with cancer is um, a palliative referral. So I think there's just a trick for, you know, just there's a, a building of knowledge around that what is a palliative illness and yep. not just saying it but actually actually understanding it. And the power of the early referral and the better understanding of the power that palliative care can have much earlier in someone's yeah. diagnosis that it isn't yeah. just about that that phase of active dying. Yeah, and it's not just an early referral. It's also talking, say to my staff, when they say, you know, Mary's had another infection. This is the third infection in three months and she's had two falls. I say when you talk to the family, make sure you're talking to them about the fact that this is a reflection of deterioration mm-hmm. so that the families understand that this, this, these aren't just isolated events. This is a reflection of a changing person so that when that next stage and that next stage and that next stage comes, the families are building understanding back here rather than, um, yep. you know, being surprised at the end going, but they were so well. And you're like, well, actually, no, they've had recurrent infections, multiple falls, significant weight loss, all the things that reflect deterioration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just helps build understanding, I think, for the for the family and for the loved one to, yeah. You you mentioned the families there, and I wonder if there's 
an opportunity right up front when a loved one goes into a, a residential aged care facility for the family to accept the fact that that this is perhaps a, a palliative phase of, of their loved one's life, that they're going into aged care and having a better acceptance of, of what that what that means and yeah. passing care much, much early. Yeah, and I think too, because the misunderstanding is palliative care is about dying, people think that if you're going into aged care and we say it's part of a palliative, you know, we're going to, we manage from a palliative approach, they think Mary's not dying and it's like, no, that's actually not what we're saying. So we need to build knowledge around the fact that palliative care is actually about quality of life mm-hmm. and happiness and choosing you know, the direction you, you want in your health care and, and um, dignity of risk so that you can, you know, still get out and about and do things. But it's not about hospitals and treatments and, you know, it's just compassionate dying rather than, um, yeah, I'm not sure how I, you know, I'm not sure of the words, but I know what I'm thinking. Let's um, let's focus on the joy of your work a little bit bit more Sally and that quality of life that you talk about can you share some of the experiences you've had when you've been able to deliver a quality of life to someone and the the little things that you or your team have been able to do to deliver quality of of life what are some of the experiences you've had well it's interesting like I was thinking last night because often um, particularly you know there's there's people that come into aged care that come from the school of hard knocks. They've lived a difficult life. They've lived a really difficult life. They've, you know, they come into a hospital and they've they've been told that they've got three months to live. They're dishevelled. They're unkept. It's just been really, you know, they come to an aged care facility and they live five years. There's no medical change. All that has happened is that they are surround. They belong. They've actually got a group. They belong. They belong. There's this kindness that is around them. There's cheek and humour and wit and let's talk footy and let's, you know, I'm picturing the the older men that have come in and they've got three meals, you know, they've got three meals a day that they haven't had for 10 years. It's just such a lovely thing to see that sense of, and that to me is, the epitome of the palliative approach. You know, they didn't die in the first three months. It wasn't ever about that, but it was mm-hmm. always about belonging, um, compassion and kindness. And, you know, they people say, how is that person still with us? And we're like, they're here, they're still with us because they came here. Yep. Because, you know, you, you've cared for them and you've given them something they've probably not ever had in their whole life, mm-hmm. you know, a community and a sense and a belonging and kindness and meals <laughs> you know that, that's what aged care is to me that's what aged care is to me and you might also have someone that comes in who's who's been in the hospital system who's exhausted um you know hospitals are exhausted they're working so hard every day and you know if you can get an, an old frail person an elderly frail person into a hospital out of a hospital and into an aged care setting and give them three lovely last months because it's just change. It just changes. It's not about about blood pressures and temperatures and you know cat scans and things. Yeah. It's about yeah. compassionate dying. And so that's the sort of things that we see. That to me is is the perfect example of what palliative care is. And none of that is 
the last days of someone's life. Mm, yeah. How how has your work and the experiences you've had influenced your your life outside of of work? What has what has death taught you about? <laughs> oh, Ian, you're funny. <laughs> um, I think that um, my beautiful children always always laugh at me because they will say, "Mum, can we please have a day where we don't talk about dying?" And I'm like. Maybe not. <laughs> and it's not a morbid conversation, although my beautiful son-in-law has, often has existential crises as he leaves our house because I've talked about funeral plans or what song I want at my funeral or, you know, <laughs> so, what I, how I want my advanced care plan to look. And he's like, why are we talking about that? I'm like, I'm sorry, it's the industry. And, um, you know, I think it just it makes you focus on what's important it probably makes you, my husband will tease me and say that, you know, he doesn't come home with a headache because any headache he's got is nothing compared to the person that I've had to deal with at work. <laughs> you're nodding. You're the son of a nurse. You're the yes, son yes. of a nurse. Who are you? Yes, I am. Yeah, they're everywhere <laughs> in my life, yeah. <laughs> so that's probably not exclusive to palliative care, but, um, you know, we, yeah, we've always got one better story. If you want to tell us how sick you feel, we've always got one better story to tell you. Yes. So, <laughs> whoops. But, yeah, it just influences your whole life. It 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 influences, it's core to me. It's part of my philosophy of living and life is who I am as a palliative care nurse. And, look, putting you back on the ward, the ward for a moment, uh, yeah. the I guess the what value have you seen in that early planning when families do it? How oh. does that help the care you and, and your team provides? If somebody does have an advanced care plan, if some if a family has had those conversations, how does it help you do do what you need to do? Amazing. It's it's unbelievably different. If people and it's important that the plan is realistic to the goals, to the condition. You know, it's we're sometimes challenged when people say, I want everything and they're very advanced in their illness. And we have to, you know, navigate that challenging conversation and say, yeah, everything, but there's a limit to this because, you know, you're, you wouldn't survive a cardiac arrest. You wouldn't. So there's sometimes tricky challenges around that. But for people that are clear in saying, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to go to hospital anymore. I'm happy to have antibiotics at the facility, but if they don't work, I accept that, you know, I just want to be kept comfortable and I want my family around. As change occurs, and it's not if change occurs, it's as change occurs. And even using the right words can make such a difference. So even being able to say to a family, when your mum starts to deteriorate rather than if your mum starts to deteriorate because your mum will deteriorate she's frail she's elderly so as your mum starts to change we will be able to negotiate with the doctors and they'll come and review and we'll be able to get medication so that if she can't take tablets anymore we can have injections available to make sure she's comfortable and that will avoid us having to transfer at a hospital there's such a peace and ease in that for everybody, for the yep. nursing staff caring for the person, for the doctor to have 
clear understanding of the family's understanding and for the families and the loved ones. And hearing you talk, does it does it allow the family to be the son, to be the daughter, to be the husband, to be the mother and, and yeah. focus on the, the person and not worry about being the carer perhaps or having to make those big decisions? They can, they can enjoy the moment, enjoy the time. Yes. I think when the crisis comes, you don't want to have to... Th- and, and even the word decision sometimes throws me because it's there, there comes a point when there is no more decisions. It's just being guided by the condition. The person's condition is so advanced now that we just need, you know, we've reached the, 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 the peak of treatment. There's no more treatment that is going to change the circumstance. So it's reassuring them that what's happening next is about deterioration and there's, these discussions have taken place months ago and we're just being guided by what your mum wanted or what you knew that your mum or dad wanted so it takes away there's already crisis and emotion it just takes away another layer of stress in all of that it's yeah it just allows families to be Sally a final word before I let you get back to your sleeping granddaughter yeah the aged care sector, aged care workers have been under such pressure for for so many years now and been such a focus of bad news. How are they travelling? What what can you share with us? What what do you say to that? I think that they, if I could pay them the Prime Minister's wage, I would because they are exceptional people. They are exceptional people. They do amazing things every day and they're exhausted. There's no question they're exhausted, but they're resilient. They're highly motivated. They, they. I think, as I said at the beginning, it's a human industry and sometimes we don't get it right, but that's never the intention. And obviously if, if we got it wrong and there was intent, then there's a process that we need to follow. But yeah. that's... You know, my experience is that even when we get it wrong, we are trying so hard to get it right. And I'm just really proud to be a part of an industry like aged care. I'm exceptionally proud to be an aged care worker. Uh, I, yeah, am happy every day to be at work and to be amongst good people. So glad that you're a part of of this community, Sally Fredericks. Thank you so much for sharing your work and, and wisdom with us today. Thank you, Ian. It was lovely to chat with you. Sally Fredericks, great to hear from her today. And whether you've tuned in via Spotify or YouTube or one of our socials, thank you so much for taking an interest and being part of the Thursdays at 3 conversation. You'll find more information, advice and support on the Palliative Care Australia website. See you next time.